so much gloom, doom, so much anger, so much betrayal in the earth, and so much hatred. Father, it's good to come into a place where you reign supreme, where your spirit is, there's liberty, and in your presence is fullness of joy. And so we thank you, Lord, for providing an atmosphere where your people can grow, be nurtured, where they can have their needs met, and where they can really receive from you. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So we're going to talk a little bit about making Jesus your healer. Amen. Making him your healer. Because he is your healer. Uh, There is no healing in the earth that comes other than by God. Now, whether you receive it through prayer and and, uh, the supernatural means, uh, spiritual means of getting it, or whether you receive it uh, through your own body repairing itself, which it has the ability to do, uh, or if you receive it through some kind of alleviation of symptoms or, or some kind of medical breakthrough, uh, at some point it comes through the mercy of God. If it weren't for God's mercy, uh, there would still be uh, uh, death would happen so quickly. See what I'm saying? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And But it's a good thing that God puts off paying wages for a while. It's called mercy. Amen. Or we would all be <laughs> pushing up daisies, as they say. Amen. And so because of his great mercy, death is delayed and death is defeated. Uh, if you really live in covenant with God, you will find that death, sickness, all of the curse is totally defeated in your life. Uh, but you do have to, as the Bible says, lay hold of his covenant, lay hold of his promises, lay hold of eternal life, lay hold of the things that pertain to life and to godliness so that your life can be blessed. And so if we will understand that and we will uh, live in that realm of great understanding, then we will be able to know what God is doing and we will be able to trust him as our healer. Uh, in or- order to get help from anybody, you have to trust him. You know, unless you're just desperate, that happens with God. He doesn't mind. Amen. Uh, just like you as a parent wouldn't mind if your children were desperate and they ran home for help. You know, you still have that connection relationship with them to be their helper and their provider. And so you respond in a way that, that answers the problem. But there is a way to live in covenant with God in such a way that you have uh, adopted Jesus as your healer and you don't need anything else other than what he provides for you. Amen. Now, don't anybody get scared. This isn't one of those uh, messages to shame you out of taking a pill or shame you out of anything god doesn't use the devil's tools to motivate his people amen and he doesn't use threats to motivate his people he invites us to receive him and walk in covenant with him as healer and so what that means is that because you have an unbreakable covenant you can adopt him as healer at any time you don't there's no too late in God's book. Amen. No such thing is too late. You have a covenant. He keeps covenant and mercy. So when you think about it, he's the one who's prompting you to look to him 
And he's also merciful in that there's no penalty for not having sought him before. I wish people would get that. You know, it's so, so many times we as Christians tend to want to explain ourselves to everybody all the time. You know, like, uh, you know, well, they didn't teach this at my church or, you know, I didn't get this or, yeah, I've been trusting God and I'm, I've been in faith. And, you know, if we can just stop, get the man to man nonsense out of your equation and just deal with you and God makes it a lot easier. And then if God puts man in your life to help you to understand him, then that's a bonus and a blessing. But we don't owe one another any explanations, excuses, anything as far as our lives and our walk is concerned. Your covenant with God is your personal covenant with him. You understand what I'm saying? The way you relate to him is between you and him. And God is big enough to accommodate everybody. You understand what I'm saying? His, his mercy is large enough to encompass all of us. Amen? Amen. Okay, now you two go have to quit eyeballing each other. Yoo-hoo. Uh, let her alone, okay? Uh, put the eyeballs over this way. Thank you. You don't know the power of eyeballs over your little kids. You ever... <laughs> You keep letting them entertain you, and they will entertain you. So you, you two, that'll be good. Because Baba a little too prophetic for y'all to be, you know, you know what I'm saying. I, I pick up everything. So we got to kibosh some stuff so that we can have peace in here and I can hear from God. We want to hear from God, right? Amen. Okay, so all's fair. So anyway, but but people need to understand that there must be a relationship built with God in order to receive from him he's not an atm he's not a cash machine he's not a blessing machine he's god and that entails a certain level of relationship that he has to call the shots on we just can't go up and and start calling the shots on a relationship with god any more than you can take credit for creating the universe. So so we need to learn how to fit in, how to accept him on his terms, and just trust him. And see, that's what trust really entails. It entails seeking to know enough about him to know that when sickness comes, you can lay that down at the altar before God. And you can pick up your healing and be assured, assured, not doubtful, but assured, amen, that you're healed. You have to be assured that if the symptoms persist for a while, that they will leave at some point, amen. You have to be assured about these things. And the only way that comes is through getting to know him, amen, through relationship, through spending time in his word, spending time in his word like that's your food, like that's your your what you live off of, like it's your drink, it's important to you. 
And the more time you spend with God in his word, the more you learn how to trust him and the less you'll be concerned about anything that goes on in the natural. This goes for your body. This goes for your, your where you live, your relationships, your finances, all of that. You will learn how to trust him through understanding him and his word and through relationship. So there is no substitute for spending time with God and his word. No substitute. If we're looking for a shortcut to everything, we won't find it. Amen. You'll get devoured by the enemy. And so what what God wants us to do is to understand that he is God, that he loves us, that he cares about us, and that he will meet every need. He will keep every promise. He will do everything that he has promised he will do for us. But we have to go into the word and find out what he has promised. Amen. In the Bible, he, it says he sent his word and healed them. So there you have proof of a covenant of healing with God. Now, what do I mean by a covenant of healing? I mean that he made up his mind to always heal us. No matter what hits you, I don't care what, he has already made up his mind to always heal us. If we're not sick, it's because he's keeping you well through his covenant of divine health. Amen? And so you start out by understanding what he thinks about sickness. And he doesn't like it. He hates it. He went to the cross to defeat it. So that we would have a built-in guarantee that we're healed. Amen. Now, many people want to say, well, God is going to heal me. Well, that, that cannot be true. Because if his word has ever been sent in the earth, we, we're already healed. You understand what I'm saying? So he heals us through his word. He heals us through promise. He heals us through confirming promises. And he heals us through the finished work at Calvary. So if you're a believer, you are healed through the finished work of Calvary. And it's a done deal already. Your challenge will be to trust God enough to believe him in the face of evidence, natural evidence, to the contrary. There's always natural evidence to the contrary of any of God's promises. As long as we live on this earth, you're going to see somebody out here doing and saying something that makes you think God is not telling the truth. Because the devil is the father of lies. He can do nothing but lie. And he lies on God about us and lies on us about God. Amen. Just to keep us confused and keep us distant from one another if he can. So our quest then is to know God. Not to know healing scriptures. Which is good to know those, but to know the God of the healing scriptures. You've got to know his character. You've got to know what he had in mind when he set forth his word. You have to understand all of those things in order to keep a a tight lock on this covenant you have so that the enemy cannot sneak in there and uproot you from the love of God. 
That's what he wants to do. He wants to put us on the outside of the covenant instead of allowing us to live in the freedom of the covenant. He'll never leave you at peace as long as you're trusting God. Now, he'll mess with people until he can separate you from God. And once he gets you separated, then he'll go leave you alone. And then while he's leaving you alone, you're obeying him and thinking like he thinks and getting yourself in a mound of trouble. Amen. Then it'll get you under condemnation and get you to think God never will forgive you and never will do nothing else for you because he's able to separate you. Many Christians, you know, are trying to obey God and trying to believe God for certain things and and struggle because they rely too much on what they've heard instead of allowing themselves to read and to hear, you know, through the word, through relationship. It, it's good to develop. You know, some of the people who have done the, the some of the most, uh, creative miracles and, and outrageous miracles and God did it more on relationship than anything else because they were able to make the Holy Spirit their friend and not be afraid to be by themselves huh? for all you busy little souls You're always running from this place to that place to the other place just saying everybody got a job and a side gig and looking for a stimulus check on top of that huh where is god in all of that maybe he's released you from some obligations in your life so that you can get to know him so you can get to trust him so you can get to have a more productive life more beneficial life just saying huh? just saying and so in order to make him your healer you must know that he is trustworthy you've got to know him and know he's trustworthy and how does that happen through getting to know him through experiences if you can put his word to work in your life then you will get to know the god of that word You won't get to know it without beginning to pray and beginning to expect, beginning to put the word to the test, have some challenges that you're expecting God to help you overcome. And there's tons of them. You know, nobody's at a loss for what I'm talking about. What we're at a loss for is putting God into it so that he can overcome these things for us, get us past these crazy hurdles. You know, these are what they call them watershed experiences in life. They never seem to get any better. They just seem to go on and on and on. Well, that's where the, the, the love of God is put to the test. You know, maybe one day just ask him, God, you know, I've been praying for so-and-so to get saved for X number of years. What's the holdup? Can you tell me the holdup? But see, many times we don't want to know the holdup. You know why? We're scared he'll give us an answer. And then we'll have to do something different. Where is my happy music? Chuck didn't dance me out of my happy music. (laughs) But 
that's really what we're afraid of. We're afraid of the answer. Afraid it's going to mess our schedule up, blow our minds, make us, oh, I got to do something else now. (laughs) I was doing good. Pat myself on the back. Because I do so much for God. Now you're going to give me something else to do. Well, that shows right there you don't really trust him. Girl, we are the last people he would give more to do. Because we know how to roll eyeballs and sigh and breathe heavy and faint, pass out. Then we come and tell everybody, well, you know, God been dealing with me. Drama queens. But he loves us anyway. We're his bride. Even though we got mud between our toes and under our fingernails and suck our teeth instead of getting a toothpick, you know what I'm saying. But we're his. Praise the Lord. And he wouldn't have it any other way. So he puts up with our drama and gets us desperate for something. Because that's where he met us, on Desperate Street. God, I wish I had the kind of relationship with you where I didn't just have to get desperate like this all the time. Shut up. You don't. Because if you did, you'd have it. Huh? But oftentimes we do have to get to that place where we're fed up, don't know what's wrong, and then we lay it all on the altar before God and allow him to show us and instruct us and help us. Amen. And then, too, as as we grow in God, we start going to him instead of waiting until we get desperate. Amen. We start to cultivate that that relationship where we, we anticipate um revelation that begins that that becomes your excitement is to understand things you didn't understand before and to be able to uh take on more spiritual authority more spiritual challenges things that you never prayed about before now all of a sudden become of interest to you i'm talking about people that really really understand and love and and have a covenant with god see in your covenant there's always more coming there's more understanding coming. There's more challenges coming. There's more goodness coming. There's more blessing, more responsibility. There's always more coming because God is, He's an ever increasing God, ever increasing kingdom. Your covenant's always growing. Your knowledge of it's always growing. So as we, we take on this mantle of understanding, then we can adopt Jesus as our permanent healer and never have to depend on man anymore. Amen. You know, I, I got I got some pills I'm dealing with. Other people may have other things. But I I made up my mind to talk to them and tell them, I'm taking you today, but pretty soon I won't have to take you anymore. In Jesus' name. You understand what I'm saying? See, this is getting yourself off of dependence on it and fear of, well, what happens if I just can't? Well, that'll never happen. 
you always be able to take a pill. Come on now. I mean, that's just so common. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? And God provides for us according to our faith. He's not going to cut you off because, well, I don't know why you can't get it together on this faith thing. No, that's not God's way. And you shouldn't tell yourself that because you, you, you have to quit beating yourself out of and into faith. You understand? You can't beat yourself into faith. You have to believe your way into it. So so part of trusting God is knowing the truth about him. You got to believe he's a good God. He's not up there testing us as to how we obey the word and testing us as to how we how often we confess the word. He's not up there like some mean schoolmaster. Now see that was the law. The law was our schoolmaster because it forced us to confess that we couldn't do it. I mean, if you had good sense. Now, the religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they believed they did the law perfectly, which was a lie. And so when Jesus came along and began to heal people and to bless people, even though they weren't keeping the law, Pharisees freaked out. It's, we supposed to be the first in line for the blessing. What happened? Huh? Well, what happened is you start lying to yourself. Because when God wrote the law, he wrote it so that only one person ever born would be able to keep it. So that's why the publicans and sinners would sit and listen to Jesus and get blessed and get healed. (laughs) And the religious people got bypassed and got angry and jealous and killed him. And so for as much religion as we have in us, when we don't get what we want from God, we will get angry and we get jealous and fall out with him. Why? Because we fail to keep in mind that he's a good God. If he's a good God, you should find no fault with him. If he's a good God, if he tells you you got to confess the word for 10 years before this thing will happen for you, then you do it. Amen? That's why he seldom tells us in advance a timetable for anything we're believing him for. Because he refuses to put himself on man's schedule. And we need to be thankful for that because it can happen fast or it can happen slow, but it will happen. That's what he wants us to know. And Habakkuk 2, it says, wait for the vision, though it tarry, wait for it. It won't tarry forever. It'll surely come to pass. If God says it, it'll surely come to pass. And so all of the scripture that is ever written, will come to pass because it is God's word and it won't come back and tell him it couldn't do what he wanted it to do. So in trusting Jesus and making Jesus your healer, you have to trust him and take him at his word. You've got to believe that he is a good God. Amen. In Mark 7, let me see what that says. I had to get a a short, short version of my Bible. But I can read it pretty good. I was I was 
being in shock for a minute, but the letters are very clear. So let me see. Mark 7. I want to go to 25. See what that says. Yeah, this is a story about the Syrophoenician woman. Amen. And and when it says here, for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell at his feet. She was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be filled first, for it's not me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. She answered and said, yes, Lord, but dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. He said, for this saying, go your way, your, the daughter has gone out of, uh, the devil has gone out of your daughter. Now, in all of the dealings that Jesus had with this woman, had she not believed he was a good God, she would have walked away without the promise being fulfilled. Amen. And so underneath most of what you see in the Bible, where people got what they went for, there was an underlying trust in, in Jesus that he was a good God. They, they had to believe that at some point they could get what they were asking for. Now, see, this is different for us because we live in covenant with God. What that means is that there are certain behavior, attitude, responsibility on our part to please God so that we can receive what it is we're asking for from him. And this is where the the mental gymnastics will come in sometimes with believers because we're not really sure what things turn him on and what things turn him off. You got me? And if you spend much time trying to figure out what you did or didn't do that delayed your answer, you're going to be in limbo all the time. Because at the bottom line, any of those people that you receive received anything from God, they believed he was good and that his mercy endured forever. And if we will put ourselves in the mindset that we lived in, that he's good and his mercy endures forever, we'll do better than trying to figure out how to please him with our do's and our don'ts, what we did and didn't do, uh, this and that, and, and, and all of that. The most most thing for a Christian is to obey the love commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. But you got to know what that means in actuality. So what that means is that you have to live a life of putting that scripture to work. And then walking in peace with God because you put it to work. When you don't put it to work, you won't have peace with God. And you'll soon find out what he expects out of you. When when I was married, God expected me to show respect to my husband. He expected me to do things to please my husband that he expected me to do. Whether or not my husband did what I wanted him to do. See, I couldn't hold up on anything because I was unhappy with him. Or God would come after me. It's like, you know better than that. I trained you better. Huh? So step up. Pick your lip up off the floor. 
as my mother would. You better pick that lip up. I step on it. <laughs> she tried to sometimes too. Oh, mama, I'm scared of you. Yeah, right. You better be. But see, this is how you train yourself to respond to the word of God. And then you train yourself some more. And you realize, well, you know what? God ain't going to let up on this. This must be pretty important to him, like he says in his word. This is the first and greatest of the commandments. So he intends to have a people in the earth that respect him and obey him and love him enough to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. And that means to to do whatever God says to make sure that you keep peace with everybody. Well, how come I got to bend over backwards? You haven't even started yet. You just you better go ahead and do some push-ups or something. Limber yourself up because you got a long way to go. You still complaining? You know, like they tell you in the uh, uh, in the gym in the trainers. Of course, I never have these kind of people around me. I go into under the power of the Holy Spirit and come out under the power of the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, you understand what I'm saying. But I hear that they tell you pain is part of it. It's to be expected. When you start stretching muscles that have been stretched ever, then the muscle will let you know he don't like it. Amen. But they say if you don't quit and you keep keep doing it, pretty soon your muscle will, will respond. But you know what really happens with most people? They ignore it. They take no thought. See, pain sometimes is a matter of of attention. What do you attend to? Some people attend to how they feel. I don't care where you are, what you do. They just always into themselves. Uh, they don't like me. You don't like yourself. See, what he's trying to get us to do is to love ourselves finally. Put the junk out your mind about you first. See, if you don't have a good understanding of who you are and that you are lovable, because God's already proven his great love for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. It's been proven he loves us. What we have to do now is accept that and live out of it every day. See, you've got to accept that he loves you. When you are loved, you don't look for love from somebody else. Huh? Now, any any married woman will tell you that. You see them always flirting with somebody else's because they don't feel loved. I don't care if the husband loves them or not. They're not receiving it somehow. So they got to always put their feelers out for a little more attention, a little more. See, that's how they get into trouble. Just saying. You know, somebody paid me a compliment one time, and they they told me this. They said, you look like a woman who is loved. Now, a lot of people aren't going to be honest with you, you know. And this is when my dear husband was alive. 
and I kind of puzzled about, and the Lord began to minister to me the completeness that you have, number one, when God loves you, but also if he can bring somebody into your life who loves you too. Then you're not disgruntled, you don't have lack, you don't have want, you don't have this, you don't have that. And and I was I looked a little puzzled. They said, No, I'm not talking about physical things, you know, they listed, you know, that kind of stuff. And they said, No, no, I mean just you. They said, I can tell that you're a person who is loved. Amen. And so to me, that was the greatest compliment because where God found me, I didn't know nothing about nothing, not as far as wholeness, completeness, feeling love, being loved, any of that stuff. But there's a security that comes in your life that enables you to be able to give when you know you're loved. When you know God is a good God, when you know that he has rescued you and you know he did it because he wants to and he did it for a reason and he did it so he could show you off and he did it so he could make a jewel out of you, then you know that you know that you know that God has put something in you that you didn't have before. And you're not looking for validation. You're not looking for attention. You're not looking for this. You're not looking for that. You're looking to give out of that love deposit that he put inside of you. And it enables you to keep giving. Beyond the place where you hurt. Beyond the place where you could stop doing it. Beyond the place where you wish you didn't have to do this for that person and do that. It it helps you to get beyond that. So you can be a proper representative for him in the earth. You see what I'm saying? There's so many people who don't know the love of God. You know, saved or unsaved. You know, you can say that about sinners. Sometimes sinners will have sometimes more experience with it. They mess your head up sometimes. You start talking to some of these people you think really don't know God. I know God helped me there. I know he rescued me. I know he helped me. Well, why don't you give your life to him? Well, do that. So be the capper. Amen. So, So they just need to be crowned with that knowledge. Amen. But it's it's we've got to know God's a good God. You, you got to know that no matter what happens in your life. He didn't pull your number to punish you this morning. You know what I'm saying? He, and he's not looking for you to catch up with you for all the wrong stuff you've done. Amen. He's looking for you to do you good. And if you're going to trust him with your health and your strength and, and your mind to get up in the right mind every day then you have to know these things about him. you got to trust him as a good God. you got to give him everything. You know that parable about the talents. Remember the people that, that were given a talent based on their ability. So really, in essence, what you think about God is a reflection of what you think about you. See, the person that only got one talent went and buried it. Because he didn't have much ability. Ability for what? 
Well, ability to trust God. Because he said as much. When the, the guy with the five talents got blessed with five more because he put them to work. Oh, he who has will receive more and he who seems to have, he'll lose even what he thinks he's got. Got me? Why? Because they're trying to possess it themselves. Instead of knowing it belongs to God. So the guy with the most talents had the most understanding of knowing this belongs to God anyway. And and he's a good God. And I want to honor him. So I'm going to honor him by doing my best with what he's given me. See, where we make our mistake as Christians, we look at what he's given somebody else and compare it with what we have. And we always wind up on the short end. Why? Because we don't, we're believing a lie about God. We don't think he's good. Just because he started me small, he must think I'm not worth very much. Because look at brother so-and-so. He got all of this and all of that. Well, you know, my business is not to mind brother so-and-so's business. It's to take care of what God has entrusted to me. See, a lot of what we see on Christian television that we think is godly stuff is really theater. It's entertainment. I remember in the the good old early days, remember Rex Humbard, anybody old enough? He was over in Akron. Akron really was the beginning of television ministry, to be honest with you. And they would they would give away free little mini Bibles if you they would pray the prayer of salvation with you, and if you pray that prayer, they'd send you a cute little miniature Bible to get you started. But they always got people saved, and God kept them on television until they start getting competition. From people who had a different kind of message. See, we can rob from the gospel preaching the gospel. Now we got a bunch of people wandering around, don't know where to go. Don't care if they go back to church ever. Huh? Many of them aren't saved. You can't tell me all these people jumping up and screaming for an hour, calling it praise and worship. Anyway, let me let me move on. I digress. And see, the world looks at that and they see two messages. They don't see a consistent message out of the church. You will get people saved in an atmosphere of confusion. You gotta have the same message. You must have the gospel. Huh? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're gonna win people to Him. So we have to believe that God is good. We have to know that He's good. If that Syrophoenician woman could know it, we can know it. Amen.
but a person with the least talents, least ability. See, when you know the truth about God, that increases your ability in every area of your life. The more truth you know about him, the more you're able to what? To whatever. To live right, to live for him, to minister for him, to speak his truth, to do whatever it is he wants you to do with what he gives you. And so the person that had the one talent said this about God. I knew you were a hard master. You take from people. You reap where you don't sow. Huh? Said that about his master. Amen. And see, what we need to do is kill that part of us that would betray God if we don't get what we want from him. Because, see, there's still some of that in everybody. Because what are we being tested on? Whether we're going to stay the course, be obedient to God, continue to pray, continue to worship, continue to, to listen to the word, continue to pray for the sick, continue to do whatever it is God has put in our hands to do. That's our test. And if you get what you want this year, wonderful. If you don't get what you want, you have to wait for a little bit. You still got to endure that. And then you look at people who are wandering around and having a good time and doing what they want to do. So it's it's about where we locate ourselves and how we evaluate God. And everybody evaluates God. Don't think that's the Bible says Sarah judged him faithful. We have to judge. Huh? After all those years of walking with God and they make a few mistakes and then they connect with God again and he reiterates the promise and tells them and refreshes them and what he's promised them many, many years ago, they finally figured it out. God really does mean to do for us what he says he's going to do for us. And that's really where we all are. Do we really believe that God is going to do for us what he says he's going to do for us? Or do we walk around pretending that we don't care? Or pretending that we really do believe it when we really don't? And thinking maybe, you know, uh, well, you know, it's been so long. It's, you know, it's this and it's that. But, but, but how does that reflect on your perception of who he is? It's very important because in the long run, you're going to have to stay strong and, and run this race with patience anyway. You're going to have to continue with God, even though you may not feel that you got everything that God said he was going to give you. You still got to judge him faithful, not based on what you have, but based on what you know about him. See, they can be two totally different things. Just because you don't have everything you think is have. I see a lot of have people out there. But they'll always tell you one thing, this one thing escapes me. There's always that one thing that they can't quite attain to. 
some people have great healing ministries, but they haven't been able to get themselves free from some things that cripple them. Amen. Brother Oral Roberts had afflictions in his body from praying for people at the altar. He said his shoulder was permanently damaged from laying hands on so many people. Amen. So there's always some things that escape us, but I tell you what doesn't have to is our understanding of the goodness of God. As Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen. So, you know, he is the God that kills and makes a lie. Amen. After all, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So you can trust God with your body. You don't have to be afraid when somebody says, well, let me pray for you. You have a complaint in in your body. That may set you on to a wonderful road of understanding God. You understand what I'm saying? Even if you don't overcome every symptom in your body, you know he's a good God. That's something nobody can take away from you. See, the devil is trying to separate you from God's love through these afflictions and these uh, ailments and, and things that happened to us and things we didn't have growing up and and all of this kind of stuff. That doesn't have to separate you from God's love. It has nothing to do with the fact that he loves you. So he's worthy of our trust. That's what we have to come up with. At the end of the day, he's worthy of our trust because who else would do all the things for humanity without them even asking him that God has done? Everything that, that is for us is laid up for us already before the foundation of the earth. It's got your name on it. God knew you would need a new heart, a new eyes, a new legs, a new womb, a new everything. He knew you would be, and it was laid up for you. From the foundation of the earth. So you can't dispute he loves you. Anybody would make great provision for you. Well, I spent all my life uh, smoking and, and, and he got new lungs for you. Them lungs been stored up forever. That's why you're breathing now. Because little by little as you trust him, a little more lung tissue gets new in your in your body. Amen. We have to know also that he has the power to heal us. He has the power to do it. In Matthew, I think it's 8, 2 through 4. Is that where we were? Okay, that's good. 2. Number 1, when he was come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can. If you're willing, you can. So this man came to him believing that he had the power to do it. Now, how did he get that faith? Everything that we believe God for, everything that we have faith for must come through his word. and must come through the knowledge of his word. Amen. Jesus said when he started his ministry, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, cause deliverance, healing, open blinded eyes, recovering of sight, and to preach that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, these things are happening now. Amen. 
And so this man at least must have heard that much about him. Now, it's said by by at least one minister that I know that Jesus always started out every every message he preached with that phrase. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to do these things. So people had faith in his ability. That's why when the disciples couldn't get that little boy healed, the daddy stayed there and told Jesus on him and said, can you, can you help me? Amen. And, and so when, when you understand God's ability, then the only thing that's hanging you up in your head is his willingness. And if you understand your covenant, the willingness part is automatically dissolved. He's willing. What's left is, how do I get him to do it? So you've got two pieces of the puzzle put together already. He's able. He's willing. Now how do I get that for me? And see, this is where most of us, you know, kind of languish. Now there are some things that, you know, it might come into your mind that, Oh, this is incurable, or somebody told you it's incurable, it's impossible, and all that. But you know the Holy Spirit will bug you about that to believe it anyway. He'll he'll bug you to get that out of you. Because you'll begin to think to yourself, well, this is crazy. If God has done this, 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 and this, why would I limit his abilities to something that they say is incurable? Many times God spares us. With, you know, people say things like, well, it looks like so-and-so and so-and-so, but we can't really say that, especially when it comes to believers. Now, I've seen it more often than not. And I say to myself, God, why is it that, that saints can go to the doctor and not have all, you know, how they had that little list of symptoms and they add them up and it equals your diagnosis? And he said, because of Exodus 15, he said, none of these diseases. So I told you, you don't get disease. Amen. Now, you can override God's wisdom. You can keep going back, going back, and they find something. Now, let's get this straightened out here. See, your faith, it'll be unto you according to what you believe. God's mercy will stop it up to a certain point. Now, there are some people who go away and never have because they'll go home and get their heads clear of their symptoms and they'll start loving God, worshiping God, getting in the word, all that kind of stuff. And then they get away from that activity and go back to just thinking, thinking, thinking all the time. And then the symptoms start weighing on. They run right back on to the doctor again. They say, we can't find anything. It looks like this. It looks like that. It looks like this. Why would God do that? Why would God let you have symptoms that worry you and fatigue you? Then you go to the doctor to find out what it is. And you find out it's nothing or they don't know what it is or we just, you know, we don't know. We can give you a pill for this. We can give you some of that. We can try to help you out. But, you know, we just can't really tell you 
We can't diagnose it. Why would God do that? That's his mercy. He's being good to you. He's being kind to you. Why? Why, 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 why? Why, 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 why? Why, why, why? <laughs> He's trying to keep you fighting on a lower level. See, when you fight symptoms, what you are fighting is the effect of your natural condition on your soul. You're just fighting what you think about it. You can change what you think about anything. Consider not your own body. Consider him and what he did. So he's trying to keep you in the the uh, middleweight arena of fighting. Because your chances of winning are really good if you stay in the word and you consider not your body and what it's telling you. When you get a diagnosis that puts you in the higher weight category of fighting. Because now you got to fight names. And you've got to believe the name of Jesus is higher than that name in actuality and see many times believers use the name of jesus but they don't understand the power of it nor do they rely on the power of it so now you've got to go into a different arena of fighting with a higher power against you and god's trying to keep you out of that arena think about it He's trying to keep you out of that arena. And what the devil will do is make your symptoms more intense to scare you out of fighting in that lower level arena of fighting. See, if you're just fighting symptoms, you can consider not. You don't have to sit up there and think about. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you can just go get your mind on something else and pretty much almost lick this thing. The more you consider things, the more life you give to them. Because there's life in your soul to conceive things. So your soul can sit up and think, oh, you know, and they, oh, WebMD. Go on the website, consider it a little more, a little more evidence. And then you find out there's no cure for it. Got me? And see, what many people will find that they didn't master it at a level when it was small. If you're just honest with yourself. They didn't kill that thing. And we're all guilty of it. We go along with little aches and pains and, you know, little, oh, that ain't nothing. But you never put the word on it. That's how you kill it. You put that word on it and kill it and destroy that thing. I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness. You have no power over me. Blood of Jesus paid for you to leave my life. I command you to leave my life now in Jesus' name. 
see, you fight it on the symptom level. You learn how to kill them things every time they try to flare up. They'll leave you alone. But if you let them keep leading you around, there's a little commercial I look at sometimes. I say, now that's just like the devil. You see that one? It's the one with the lady with the bladder that, the bladder up dragging her around everywhere. I said, now she with the naughty bladder. Uh Uh-huh. You got to slap your bladder around two or three times. Make it act right. But that's what symptoms do to us. They want to drag us around from one place to the soul, trying to run your life. Huh? (laughs) Figuring out how you feel from day to day. It don't matter how you feel. That's the least of your concerns. If we could live outside of feelings, we could be holy people. Huh? Because we stay out of trouble with everybody. We stay out of debt with everything and having to buy this and buy that. (laughs) So you must know that Jesus has the power to heal you and is willing to do it. Then you find out that he's done it already. That really messes your head up. Uh Because we live now, what's going to help you and what's going to get you everything you need is not natural faith. That is faith in what you see, think, smell, taste, touch. So your, Your faith now that you are using to overcome and to live your covenant is a supernatural faith of the Son of God. And it don't operate on nothing visible down here. So it has to work blinded to what goes on, blinded to what's said, blinded to what other people think. You see, when the enemy sees you living out of the faith of the Son of God, then he's got an enemy. So he'll do whatever he can do to stop it. So, yeah, you probably will be bothered with symptoms. You'll be bothered with what the Bible calls light afflictions. There's nothing to get dramatic over. Oh, the devil's just been... Well, I know I got a big blessing coming because the devil, the devil will whoop you upside your head and you never get blessed. You'll be in a coma. Start taking that prideful attitude. Good gravy. Huh? Your dog got higher faith than that. You know, that becomes an excuse for you not to do anything to resist the devil. 
Because if your big blessings come because he's messing with you, you might as well roll over and let him kill you. Huh? I've never seen a person of authority and power that makes a statement like that. Never. I see a lot of victims, a lot of pushovers. Come hit me, devil. I want a big blessing from God. We've got to get our minds out of carnality, folks. You've got to really have a renewed mind. The mind of Christ. You tap into his mind and start thinking like he thinks about stuff. The devil will leave you alone for real. Huh? So you must know that he has the power to heal you and has exercised it already. So when people would come up to Jesus when he was alive walking around on the earth, they believed he could. As covenant people, we have to believe he has. We have to believe this thing is done because if you don't, You'll always be trying to figure out what to do to get him to do it. So then you'll start placing it not on faith but on works. You'll start trying to show God you're doing this and you're doing that and you're doing the other so that he can do something for you. What faith does is it speaks like this. I believe I've received it already because he's already given me all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So I receive healing for my whatever condition. And just begin to expand that in your life. You know, it's not a one-time confession of faith in it except that You're not asking every time you go before the throne. You just accept the fact that he's already freely given it to you, and you believe you receive it at the time that you pray or the time that you address it with God, however you want to phrase it. But you have to believe that you receive it by faith, and you don't need any physical evidence to back it up then your faith really becomes your evidence. Your faith then becomes what you treasure and what you guard and what you protect so that you know that you know that you know it will come to pass. See, your responsibility becomes to believe and not doubt and not try to act right and act good in order to get it. Believing is your only acting that you get to do. Whatever comes out of faith is what you do. So if that means that when you go before God every day, which we should every day, give us day by day our daily bread. What did man, what happened with manna when they tried to store it overnight? Stank. Don't come before the throne stinking. I didn't mean to skip yesterday. You stank anyway. Repent. Repent. 
We know where you were busy. You're always busy sitting up in front of television or some nonsense, but repent. Amen? He loves you. You've got to keep a good relationship. If you don't keep a good relationship with anybody, keep it with God. You got me? Don't lose him as is your, is your BFF. You know what I'm saying? Don't lose that. But then as you relate to God and as you worship him, you begin to thank him for those things. The ones that you have, the ones you don't have, the scenes and the unseen, the ones you want, the ones you ain't so sure about. Amen. God, I thank you for all of that. Amen. Some things we just don't have a conscious awareness that they are for us. You understand what I'm saying? For sure. But Lord, I thank you. I see in your word that you do this for me and you do that for me and you have this laid up for me you have that laid up for me you know you need to be thanking him for property even if you got enough property because he got laid up for you don't know what's up in there go to thanking him for it anyway amen for the seen the unseen the want the don't want huh You have to know also that you're not your faith is not on trial in that the trying is over your head to pass. If your faith is tested, it's because you will pass the test. You're talking about the God who loves you, amen. He's not trying to trip you up and get you way out there and you think you got it and he said i told you you didn't have nothing you know what i'm saying you wasn't believing me like you said you wasn't i proved it to you uh he ain't like that he you you will pass the test huh you know how you pass the test by love you're gonna love him and trust him more than you want to try and hide your faults for him from him Huh? <laughs> the the uh, the man with the son that had the seizures. That guy. We'll talk about him a little bit. Where is he at? In Mark chapter nine, I think that's where I want to go. I'm so thankful for this little Bible. I'm just. I can read Mark chapter 9. Um, okay, we'll start in 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. Wherever the spirit takes him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth, pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they couldn't. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him, and when he saw him, right away the spirit tore him. And he fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming. 
And he asked the father, he said, how long ago was it that this came to him? And he said, since he's been a child. And oftentimes, see, this is torment. It casts him in the fire and into the water to try and destroy him. So the devil, daddy knows this is the devil. You know, he's trying to kill his kid. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, it's not my responsibility to prove to you I can do anything. It's up to you to prove to me that you believe me. Huh? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So the responsibility for believing is always on us. It is never God's responsibility to make us believe, to do it anyway, even though we have doubt. It's to cut us some slack. You know, when the guy says have mercy on us, what he means is use your power to get my son healed. But in the same breath, he begins to confess some things to Jesus. And this is where you can either get over or go under. Amen. It's in what you're willing to confess and admit and what you're willing to still believe God for. And he says all things are possible to him that believes. And right away, the father of the child cried out with tears, said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In other words, what he's saying is I want to believe you. But there's something in me that keeps gnawing at me with doubt. Anybody ever been there? Listen, just a confession will get you over. If you quit trying to pretend about everything, you know how we do. Just come clean before God. I ain't talking about with people. I care less what you confess to me or not. You understand what I'm saying? But you got to come clean with God. And see, this man did something that if you'll receive it and embrace it into your life, it'll be the biggest blessing you ever run into your life in your life. Because many Christians yet think, God, you must come up to a certain level with your faith or God won't give you nothing. But nobody can tell you what that level is. Everybody's got all these weird, vague fears about God. You know why? Because they overestimate their abilities in the spirit realm. See, many people who have been able to do great things in God will try and get you convinced that they know it all. And that they are the authority on how to get from God and how to, you understand what I'm saying? They don't tell you the struggles they have. They don't tell you the doubt in their mind that creeps in their heart and that they wish it weren't there and wish you can get. Sometimes you just got to live with some stuff till your deliverance comes. Thank God this man's deliverance was right there. Huh? Jesus knew everything. Sometimes all he needs to do is get you to confess your weakness so he can remove it. Anytime you come to God confessing your sins and confessing your weakness, he forgives you, cleanses you, gets it out of your life, and makes it quit bothering you. 
Quit trying to fool yourself into thinking that you don't have anything that's hindering your relationship with God. Get it out of there. Confess it and make it leave. That's why the devil keeps trying to play with your head and hide it from you. Eh, you know, this ain't nothing. Everybody does this. This man's, I'm not leaving here and letting this thing kill my kid, being fear of this thing, killing my kid one more day. He said, Lord, I do believe, but please help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and said to him, You dumb and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and don't go any more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he laid there as though he was dead because people said he was. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. When there is unbelief, don't try to hide it from anybody. Try to hide it from God. Don't try. If you ain't really sold on the fact, you know, you need to confess that to God. God, this is something I know is hindering my faith. I know this would be in my life right now if it weren't for you understand what I'm saying? I have good days sometimes, and then I have bad days sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? And I just want to have that good day where I know that I know that I know that it's not hindering anymore. See, sometimes we can just imagine it hinders and it's a hindrance. You ever been like that? You want to be convinced there's nothing there, and then you, but you know there's something there. As long as you think there's a hindrance, it's not going to help your faith. So it's good to get before God and confess these things. Confession is, is your best friend. It's your biggest helper. What you say to God and you say it in honesty and you say it in, in humility and you say it understanding that it's not the right thing to think about him. You understand what I'm saying? Well, he might want not want to help my child because we, we don't pay enough in the synagogue. And we don't have, you understand what I'm saying? The devil can throw anything at us as a hindrance to our faith. But if we can get that before the throne of God and confess it, get it out of the way. God, can you please help my unbelief? Apparently, Jesus could because the boy, he healed the boy. He told the father, if you can believe, all things are possible. So what did the father do? He just held on to where he was. He confessed what he did and held on. And Jesus said, that's good enough for me. Amen. And he healed that boy. See, what we want are results. Too many of us want pray. We want big announcement with stuff. We want to show everybody in the church when we get blessed. Nonsense. You will learn how to be blessed in your closet, in your bathroom, sitting on the toilet. That might be where you get your blessing from. You understand what I'm saying? In the secret place, <laughs> where he found you, <laughs> where you hollering every day and screaming and crying and begging and snorting and snot. That's where you go get your blessing from. <laughs> what do you care? Listen, God is a good God. If there's nothing else, you can, he knows our weaknesses. 
He knows our inabilities. He still has a good plan. We're still going to receive everything he has for us. I don't care where your faith is today or where you think it's today. But you're still going to receive everything he has for you. Amen. Why? Because we've judged him faithful. We haven't judged ourselves as such, but that ain't even necessary. We just have to judge him faithful because he promised. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us all things. And I mean all things that pertain to life and to godliness. And, Lord, we honor you, we bless you, and we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that we are healed. We consider not symptoms in our body. We consider not what the devil says that we don't have. We consider not our faults and our failures. We just consider him who loves us, cares for us, died for us, gave his life for us, and lives forevermore to help us, to help our unbelief, help our weaknesses and infirmities. Father, your son lives to help us and intercede for us. He's always working on our behalf. So, Father, we thank you that we are healed. We don't have Rona. Rona don't have us. and She can't have us and we can't have her. Because we have a covenant with you of health and healing and none of the diseases. I don't care who's getting them. Will you put on us? Because you are the Lord that heals us. And we thank you for it. We bless you. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. And we are healed, it is thus and so. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen.